This program is brought to you by Grand Valley State University. All right, today we're interviewing Harry Baxter of Grand Rapids, Michigan. The interviewer is James Smither of Grand Valley State University, assisted by Zachary Lino of Grand Valley State University. Mr. Baxter, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about kind of where you were born and grew up and what you were doing before you got into the Army? Uh, born in Detroit, moved to Grand Rapids uh, when I was about uh, one year old, and a little less, and, and lived here all my life. Uh, went to University of Michigan, graduated from Central High School. Mm -hmm. uh, went to the University of Michigan, where I met my wife, and uh, brought her home for a weekend. And uh, my mother fell in love with her, and I had no choice from then on but to marry her. Okay. What did your father do for a living? He was uh, uh, vice president of the All American Home Security Bank here, mm -hmm. and he was moved to Grand Rapids by Bear Manning Abrasives. Uh, then he changed to banking after that. Okay. And during what years were you at Michigan? I started in '41. Mm -hmm. uh, went to the army in '42. Um, returned in '46. Completed in '48. And what were you majoring in? Civil engineering. I'm a civil engineer. All right. uh, what made you decide to uh, enlist in the army? Well, there was uh, uh, lots of demand. I, I was pretty high up in the scale as far as uh, where I was going to be drafted, so I just mm -hmm. took the bull by the horns and enlisted. Okay. And can you kind of describe that process of enlistment and induction and getting into training? Well, the first and foremost thing they did is we went down to Kalamazoo and the armory down there and they uh, had this uh, physical uh, inspection. Mm -hmm. and, and so we walked around in our underwear around with women around and that was, that was an experience when we were only 19 years old to have somebody. <laughs> and, and the, uh, and then uh, from there I was transferred to uh, 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 Camp Atterbury, Indiana. Mm -hmm. No, wrong. Uh, that was coming off the, that was in uh, Missouri. Uh, uh, hmm. Can't believe it. Just a minute. Turn that thing up. Arlene? Yes. Where was I in, in uh, Missouri the first, when I first went in? Fort Leonard Wood. Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I did Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and, and there I took my basic training, and then in, uh, um, I volunteered for officer training and was, and was sent to Fort Belvoir, uh, Virginia, to do that. Okay. Uh, what was the basic training experience like for you? Uh, Fort Leonard Wood was the only split spot in the world where you could stand up to your neck in mud and choke to death on dust. Absolutely, it was a, it was a, the climate there was terrible in the middle of the Ozark Mountains. Uh, uh, we, but but uh, we, we had some good officers, had lots of fun, mm -hmm. learned a lot about shooting and uh, how to handle a, a rifle to take care of it, and, and also how to uh, build bridges and repair roads, etc. So it was, it was really a really growth experience for everybody. All of us had a good time. Now at that stage, were you already kind of directed toward the engineers, or was this just something that everybody was doing? The bridge building. And the I was. Building. I, it was in an engineer training that I was in mm -hmm. right from the beginning. Uh, I don't know how that happened. It was just happened. So I was in a pre-engineering school at, mm -hmm. at Ann Arbor, so I think that started the whole thing going. So the army simply did you have to take tests and things like that to qualify, or did you just get sent there? If you could breathe and could see, you were in. <laughs> you were in, but then to put people into engineering training things. I don't think that made it. I don't know. No, I don't mm -hmm. think it, it selected. Uh, 
For example, a friend of mine was a lawyer and he was in a mule pack outfit. Mm -hmm. Cleaning out the, the stalls. <laughs> so in the war, you did what you were what needed to be done. Okay, um, let's get kind of back there to the training process here at Leonard Wood, and then how long? About how long were you there? Do you remember? Oh, about uh, uh, eight or nine weeks. Okay, and what time of year was it? it started in um, December of '42 and. Got out in about uh, 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 probably March or April. So and then, then I went to Fort Belvoir, Virginia, and got there just in time for the real hot summer. You know, Fort Belvoir is not noted for having warm, but cool weather in summer. Right. And can you describe your time there? That was OCS. That was that was uh, 90 days of, mm -hmm. of, of of pure training. I mean, just absolutely very rigorous. And they tried to weed out everybody that they possibly could, mm -hmm. gave very difficult things for you to do and learn. And and, uh, and so a lot of the guys didn't make it. Uh, it was just far enough into the war that they that the, that the initial impetus on, on getting officers was, was off, but they needed more engineers and, and other types of infantry. Mm -hmm. And so they, they were really pushing for that. But Fort Belvoir is primarily an engineering what kinds of training exercises did you have that were particularly tough? Well, triangulation, uh, some of the guys really had, had no idea of, of, of how to handle any kind of, a, of an instrument for uh, uh, surveying or mm -hmm. even rudimentary like we did in the Army. And, and so that was tough on some of them. And another thing with map reading, so I, I was surprised how few people had actually never read a map in their whole life, and they're here. They are in the army, and they're in their early twenties or late teens, and, and and they had no idea of how to locate themselves on a map. And that was the, the, the first washouts for those guys that were not able. And then another one was those that didn't have any mechanical ability; they couldn't sense how things went together. And and they, they were they were interested. And in, we had a tech officer that was had worked in the Alcan Highway in Alaska. Mm -hmm. And he, he was he was a wonderful man. He was uh, uh, very dedicated to getting getting good students, making making good soldiers out of us, good good officers. How much physical training did you get while you were there? I mean, it was mostly well, it was work the, or physical all the way. I mean, long marches and mm -hmm. uh, full field packs, etc. Yes, yes, lots of uh, PT every morning. And did you work with with heavy equipment, or are you just mostly measurement and that kind of thing? But we put bridges together. We built Bailey bridges and. Mm -hmm. and uh, Floating bridges, etc. So it was it was uh, uh, all around how, how to put them together. So we had to then to get up and when we were signed a real outfit, well, we had to under combat conditions had to build them, and it was an mm -hmm. interesting uh, thing. None of us realized what we were going to do it in combat. We were thought we were just going to build them when nobody shooting at us, but that isn't what happens. Uh, when did you finish at Fort Belvoir? Ninety days after I got there, June or July, okay. around there. And where did you go next? I was stationed, uh, sent to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. No, wrong, no. wrong. You had no. been Camp, there. Camp, Camp, Camp Carson, Colorado. Mm -hmm. Camp Carson, Colorado, and I stayed there. I was assigned to the 171st Engineer Combat Battalion. It was just a brand new outfit. Mm -hmm. Lieutenant Colonel Kesey was, a, or he was a major at that time, uh, uh, was a commanding officer. And, we made some real good friends and uh, correspond. We still with some of the widows of some of the guys. Uh, we still correspond with some of them. So. Okay. And what rank were you at the time? You Second lieutenant. Okay. And what? Platoon leader. Okay. And what kind of duties did you have, or what were you preparing for? 
Well, we had these guys that were just brand new uh, mm -hmm. uh, recruits in the army, and we were teaching them to be soldiers and how to shoot and, and how to uh, build bridges and, mm -hmm. and repair roads, do the, do the things that engineer combat battalions do. And, and uh, so we were, uh, this was a brand new outfit. There was a 171st engineer combat battalion. There was a 172nd that was uh, engineer combat battalion. It was not assigned in Fort uh, uh, in, uh, Camp. Uh, where was I? Carson. Check Carson, and and but it was uh, some uh, uh, they were they were nearby, mm -hmm. and and uh, they're they're the ones that when the Battle of the Bulge comes comes that the Germans roll right over them. They were bivouacked in a little area and they rolled right through them. And it just really really uh, uh, got ten percent of the guys were just killed, and that, that was a tough thing. We we were sitting uh, four or five miles away and completely clear. We didn't get anything. So. That's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves there, but we'll want to get there. Um, are there particular memories or events from that period out in Colorado that stand out in your mind or that kind of characterize the unit or the people in it? Well, we had good, uh, we had some, I had some good, I was just a platoon leader at the mm -hmm. time, and uh, uh, that was three squads, and, and uh, it was really a growth experience for me too, being young and so forth. And, uh, uh, the, the, the fellow officers and, and uh, all of us had a good time uh, learning, teaching the guys what to do and how to be how to be soldiers, and take care of themselves. Did you have any experience, non-coms or anyone else in, in the unit, or was everybody green? Everybody was pretty green. I did have, but when I got the company that I was in, uh, the sergeant was from uh, the Philippines. Mm -hmm. He'd been in the army for a long time. He would, he thought all we all we. Should we uh, shave tails were not worth a darn, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that's really a thing you have to learn how little you know when you mm -hmm. when you first start out something like this. Okay, and then when did you uh, leave Camp Carson? We went to maneuvers in Tennessee, and we must have gone there um, uh, probably in about uh, December or January, mm -hmm. I guess. And then we stayed there for a, we built we we the biggest thing we did there that I had anything to do with anyway was repairing a bridge that had been damaged by a tank mm -hmm. in the maneuver area of the Savia Bridge and we had to repair that right. we had to send in the, into a, uh, a ironworks in Tennessee to get the get the truss repaired but in the meantime we had to bolster it up from underneath it really was kind of fun to do mm -hmm. fortunately I had some two or three men that were excellent carpenters and they and they were they were able to see what to do and how to do things. It was really a help having guys that had been in construction. Okay. Um, how large were the maneuvers in Tennessee? Do you have any sense of what size the units were involved or what you were working with? Couldn't say. No 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 recollection of that at all. No. Enough for someone to have a tank. Yeah. <laughs> well they they had they had tanks and they had they had a uh, a, a whole division of, of there that was mm -hmm. were on these maneuvers and and they were they were given exercises to do, and we were too. But uh, but we finally narrowed down to just repairing the bridges that have been damaged by <laughs> by the heavy equipment going over. All right. Uh, where did you go after Tennessee? From there, we were transferred to uh, uh, the uh, New England shore, and we mm -hmm. had to to in, in, embark for Europe. Mm -hmm. And we landed in Liverpool. And we got there, and uh, 
let's see, we we, we were uh, must have been about uh, must have gotten on the ship. Uh, D Day was in June. Mm -hmm. We we must have uh, embarked in a, just about the time D Day was because we were on the ocean when D Day mm -hmm. occurred. Then we went to England, Liverpool, and uh, Wargrave is where we were stationed then, uh, which was uh, down near London. What do you remember about the trip across the ocean? It was the largest uh, uh, convoy of the war up to that point, and then we zigzagged across. It took us forever to get over. What kind of ship were you on? It was a Navy transport. You were really the, the best ship of all, but we had a miniature aircraft carrier and two or mm -hmm. three destroyers. And, uh, the guard, you can all these. There, we, there must have been, yeah, I'm guessing now, um, 25 or 30 uh, big ship, big freighters going mm -hmm. across. And, uh, we had a couple scares with subs and the way the, the sirens went and the, mm -hmm. and the destroyers were all over the place dropping depth charges. I don't know if we ever got any or not, but they they, they sure scared the living daylights out of whoever was there, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, and what was the weather like on the crossing? Oh, pre-con, pre-con. Coming back was different, but going over was calm. Okay. Um, then, what kind of experience did you have in England while you were there? Well, we didn't do. All we did there was get our, our equipment. Mm -hmm. We, we uh, you know, we went over with without any trucks or anything, right. and so we had to get trucks and, and uh, mortars and, and uh, rifles. And, no, I guess we had, took our rifles with us, but uh, other, other than that, pretty much. Uh, had to get all the equipment and the kitchen equipment we had to get. So, so how long were you in England then? We landed on Omaha Beach about, uh, uh, I guess, uh, 30 to 60 days after D-Day. Thank goodness we didn't go in on D-Day. Oh. Did you get to, when you were in England, were you mostly just having to stay in camp or on base? Did you get to go into London or see anything? Yeah, we went into London. Uh, uh, we got a couple, a couple short uh, days off. Uh, mm -hmm. Tried to get all the guys to do that. But then we got when we get close to when we we're going to leave. Well, then of course all these were canceled. We mm -hmm. had to stay right there for a couple weeks. So. And what impression did you have of London at the time? I didn't really see very much. <laughs> I, I don't recall any, any uh, other than it was a big town, and mm -hmm. uh, I'd like to go to see Big Ben and, uh, and, mm -hmm. and the House of Commons and Lords and so forth. Well, it was kind of fun wandering around all those places that you read about. And, mm -hmm. and did, how much contact did you have with the English people while you were there? Well, right going over, I didn't have any to speak of. But coming back, our, my wife's father was born in England, and he had a couple, he had a brother that lived over there. So coming back, I. Uh, after the war was over, I went over and spent uh, a week and a half with them. Mm -hmm. we, we just had a ball, I'll tell you. And, and as a result of that contact, well, then we had some of our first cousins coming over and staying with us in subsequent years. So it was fun. I made a contact. Okay. Um, you're landing on Omaha Beach. Uh, at that point, what sort of place was it? What did it look like or what impression did you have? When you well, by that time, um, the floating dock was done and, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, we, we unloaded, uh, we went over to LST, but we, we went up to shore and landed. But uh, by that time, were, the underwater obstacles were pretty well removed. Mm -hmm. It was uh, a cup of tea. The, the most in, uh, vivid impression I have of that is we were, we landed and uh, there was a, again, I was just a platoon leader, mm -hmm. a second lieutenant, and the, uh, uh, 
the beach master yelled out, who owns this? And here was a great big uh, truck, uh, mm -hmm. uh, one prepared to put uh, uh, floating equipment into a floating, uh, uh, floats into the water to build mm -hmm. a floating bridge across. And uh, Brackway Truck, it was called. And uh, he said, who owns this thing? And so, geez, I, here I am standing there. I said, it's mine. But uh, the company commander of the next company over, a friend, said, he was he was the first lieutenant. He said, "No, that's mine." And so we went to two of us by him, and we we kept that truck during the whole war. <laughs> so that was that, that that helped us a little bit so from time to time. He had, his company would use it some, and my company would use it some. So it was kind of fun. All right. Um, once you landed, then what did you do? Uh, we repaired roads right at the beginning, and then we got transferred down to the. Uh, down south, the 29th Division, they mm -hmm. were abreast. And uh, uh, we, we really didn't do very much down there. We just got transferred down there and, and breast surrendered mm -hmm. the next day or maybe two days later. And we, we, by that time, we just were repairing roads and so Right. Okay, and then after the surrender of Brest, then what did you do? Uh, well, we were in the 9th Army, and so then we started going uh, east, and, and uh, we were up against it. Uh, British on the north, and we were just south of the 9th Army, or immediately mm -hmm. south of that. And we were corps troops, 13th Corps. General Gillen was a general uh, in charge of the 13th Corps. And he was a, a civil engineer. Mm -hmm. So uh, he had a fine spot in his heart for engineers. And, and he, he, was, he, was, uh, he came over a couple times and met with us and talked with us and so forth. Uh, so it was really an interesting time to be. And we were, but we were loaned out to uh, if a division was, I mean, yeah, if, if, a, if a division was going to make a crossing, mm -hmm. and their their engineer combat battalion was uh, uh, was kind of re held in reserve, and we were put up in the front, to, so all the, all the casualties would be ours, and, and they'd, they'd reserve their people as much as possible for uh, because they were part of the integral part of the of the, the division. Yeah, it, it, uh, uh, but but we were lucky. We we got uh, we, we had some. Some casualties in bridge building, but but not a great deal. Uh, where were you building bridges? I mean, if you're doing it kind of the like Summer Fall '44, where were you? Uh, the Lean Canal was one we built over, and the Roar River, R O E R River, mm -hmm. we built a bridge over there, and we built uh, uh, a bridge. Uh, we we were, uh, put troops across the the Rhine. Okay, uh, let's go back up to the, the, the first time your unit goes um, into action, sort of un under fire. Uh, can you describe that experience? Scared the limit daylights out of all of us. When people are shooting at you, you know, and you're supposed to do it, and you can't shoot back because you're working doing things. It's, it's, a, it's a tough thing to do, and our guys uh, really did well. And uh, we, we, we really were, our losses were, were uh, we, we lost a lot of a lot of men sometimes, but most of them were just likely wounded. We mm -hmm. got back. The actual casualties were, were relatively small. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of fire were you taking? Was it artillery or machine guns or? Uh, well, it started out small arms, and then would be uh, uh, longer range stuff, mortars and, and, and artillery. And kind of where were the American troops or the infantry? Well, we were taking. They were waiting to get across the, the, the bridge that we were building, or, or we sometimes we took them across on assault boats, you know, and then they would start making a bridgehead on the other side. Yeah. We'd start building the bridge before they got much much done. Did you ever have guys who were over the river before the infantry got there? 
Or you know, our guys? Yeah. No. Okay. They didn't send you in like Revolutionary War sappers then? No. no. The, the only thing we had to do sometimes is, we, as officers, we'd have to go and see how many units of bridge we were had to get, maybe mm -hmm. a floating bridge to go across it. So we'd go there, sneak over at night, be there just at dawn so we could see how big the river was and, mm -hmm. and estimate how we were going to do it, where we were going to build it, etc. Can you describe the process of bridge building? If you're at one of these places, what do you do? First thing you have to do is get a cable across the river. So you can, and that was called a breast cable, so you could mm -hmm. tie all, all the floating uh, sections onto that. And, and how did you do across, that? Push them across. Well, how did you get the cable across? Well, I was a salt boat, with a salt boat. Usually rowed uh, across. Uh, in the Rhine, we use motors, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, that was a big, big river. But uh, the little, little ones in the Lean Canal and so forth, we just little small things in the. Okay, and what, then once you get the cable across, what do you do? Then you put the sections in one at a time, and you put a cable leading to it uh, up to the up to this press line, and just keep shoving them out. And then the, the cable, of course, you do would, would sag, and you'd have to mm -hmm. tight, adjust the, the length of the cables uh, connecting so you get the bridge straight. Cable would curve, but the bridge had to be straight. <laughs> it, at least you hoped it was straight. And about how long would it take to put up a bridge, say, over a canal or something like that? Not the Rhine, but something smaller. Two or four hours. Good luck. <laughs> no way. We had one one incident where a plane came over and dropped a bomb on us, and that 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 scared the living daylights out of everybody. It killed a couple of our guys. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, after we got, uh, once we got rid of the damage and stuff, we easily uh, finished it up. So. Um, and then, what, what kind of equipment was your unit using at that point? Well, we, we would get a, a we were building a, an M2 Treadway bridge, for example. We got an M2 Treadway company that would uh, would supply the the, uh, the trucks that would that would uh, take these inflated rubber floats and put them in the water, then we mm -hmm. put a saddle on top of them, and then we, then, then we could put, uh, they, they floated this way, mm -hmm. uh, and the floats were this way, and we were building the bridge this way, mm -hmm. so we had floats going this way with the saddles on top, and then we'd connect across with beams. And go. It, it was all worked out beautifully. Then we had Bailey bridges that we built on the, on the Autobahn, mm -hmm. and they were, of course, uh, pushed across from the near side, you build enough over here so to counterbalance what it did and push them across. And, so you didn't have to go on both sides. You know, was, uh, it, it, the reason we had to repair the bridges on the autobahn is we had bombed them out so mm -hmm. the Germans wouldn't be able to use it for uh, uh, stockpiling their, their equipment. Right. Um, were you um, kind of in action or at work or whatever pretty constantly then in the fall of '44? Oh, in and out. In and out. We did a lot of road road repair work and. Uh, so we were the Ninth Army, right adjacent to the to the British. And mm -hmm. as a matter of fact, the Guards Armored Division was immediately next to us. And uh, uh, at that time, I think I was a company commander then. I think I was a first lieutenant, and, mm -hmm. and uh, I got uh, maybe a company commander. And then then I, uh, uh, I they, we swapped engineers. We swapped officers with them. We got a couple of their mm -hmm. second lieutenants. We sent a couple of second lieutenants up to them. And uh, this one second lieutenant arrived from the Guards Armored Division, British, <clears throat> and he had a Batman and a driver, mm -hmm. and uh, he had a, a kind of a small um, uh, any uh, weapons uh, protected mm -hmm. kind of a, with armor around it and so forth, and a jeep. 
So he had two drivers, a Batman and himself. <laughs> and I said, Lieutenant, I said, you can send all, of, all the equipment back except one, you can keep your Jeep, but you keep a Jeep driver, send the other guys back up to your unit. We don't use those kind of people here. Mm -hmm. No Batman? No Batman. It's <laughs> like a ballet. You know? Right, right. <laughs> he, was, he was just second lieutenant. I, <laughs> so he was much surprised at that. That we, we couldn't have a, an officer couldn't have a Batman. <laughs> well, how did he adjust once he was there? <clears throat> oh, he was fine. He was good. Good guy. Good guy. Okay. Uh, where was your unit uh, when the Battle of the Bulge started? In Belgium at that point? Or? Uh, we were in Holland, I think, then. Uh, we were in Geilenkirchen, near Geilenkirchen, mm -hmm. anyway. And, uh, and then we, uh, that, that's when, the only time that we, that we had any time at all in, in Foxholes was that time, where they pulled a big, big, uh, big unit out and put our little company in and to replace them. And we were spread out long distances apart. So it was uh, scary, but their Germans were just as skinny as we were, so they were scared too. Uh, both of us, both sides were, we did nothing, you know, mm -hmm. didn't shoot. If, you, if, if they shot at us, we shot back, but we, but we didn't shoot very often. They didn't shoot very often at us either. So, so you were not in the sector where they were actually attacking, it was just a lot. No, it was all, it was all north, all towards the Because those, those guys up there really caught it, man, they were, uh, but you know, they were, they, uh, it surrounded the Bastogne there, you know, mm -hmm. the Germans did, and, uh, and that was uh, nuts, you know, they said when they wanted to come in, remember that? <clears throat> what was that general's name? I forgot. McAuliffe. Yeah, there you go. The, now, you were, um, what else do you remember about that, that time in the foxholes there? Uh, <clears throat> that, that, that's one of the worst experiences you can have in your life, because you can't bathe properly, and your food, food is kind of uh, sparse, and, and uh, it's a, it, it poses a problems as to what to do. Because we weren't there long enough to really get a long-term adjustment. So. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> we did have one, <clears throat> one interesting experience. We had a plane, a P-51, that got his engine shot out. And he kind of uh, came in and landed in front of us. Uh, had his, didn't put his wheels down, mm -hmm. but, he, but he, he's bellied in. And we pulled him out, and just as dawn was breaking, and mm -hmm. we had to keep him there with us all, one whole day. And he. He couldn't believe how primitive foxhole living was. He said, "Oh, you guys live crude." He said, "This is crude." <laughs> so uh, anyway, I, excuse me. I tried to persuade him to stay and spend the night, uh, part of the night with us anyway, because we must start to arrive about nine o'clock with a hot meal. And he said, "No, no, please let me use your jeep. I just, I just go back." So <clears throat> I said, "Okay, you can take my jeep and jeep driver. You got to take two other enlisted men with you, and I want those three guys to come back with." all showered and shaved and, and, and <laughs> clean clothes and oh yeah that's a deal so they came back about two o'clock in the morning all all and they, everybody in the outfit went around and smelled them they smelled so good <laughs> <laughs> okay um then do you remember about how long you were uh in the lines before you pulled out again oh it wasn't very long okay. maybe 10 days and then what did your unit do after that Went back to repairing bridges and fixing and fixing roads. And then, I the engineer combat battalions are used for attack purposes to build mm -hmm. to build uh, bridges and to take assault troops across uh, uh, big bodies of water and so forth. Mm -hmm. And was that going on pretty regularly there in the? Well, there are lots of little canals and little, the Roar River, for example. That's where they blew the bridge, the dams out up above, mm -hmm. and it was. Kind of a small stream when we 
first looked at it, but when we went to build the bridge over it was some pretty pretty roaring torrent because they, the Germans had blown the bridges, mm -hmm. the, the dams out up above. Okay, and then about, about what point did you get to the Rhine? Hmm. I have no idea when. Uh, that's escapes me completely. But we we when we were when the first uh, Americans went across mm -hmm. uh, down south, that mm -hmm. uh, uh, that bridge that was, that was left standing. Vermont, yeah. Vermont, uh, we uh, were up north of that because we were the Ninth Army uh, mm -hmm. up against the British, and and uh, uh, so they were. Uh, uh, so we were, we were right there shortly after they were there. As a matter, matter of fact, the colonel sent several of us down to look at that Vermont bridge, and we came back and I wrote a letter to Arlene and said, "Gee, I just saw a bridge," mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, and she was able to surmise where I was. But uh, anyway, that was interesting. Uh, the, the, the condition of the bridge had been severely damaged mm -hmm. by artillery, but they managed to scrape enough together to hold the tanks to get them over. Really great. Okay. Can you describe your experience then in bridging the Rhine? How, we didn't that? build a bridge on the Rhine. Okay. We, we started one, mm -hmm. but, but uh, uh, we, we got uh, somebody else came in to finish it, a, a really a big uh, construction uh, mm -hmm. company. That, that, was a, that was a huge undertaking, right? That was big, that big stuff. Mm -hmm. And then once your unit got across the Rhine, then what were you doing then? The same thing. Bridges and roads. Repair roads. Uh, build, build small bridges. Uh, repair the, the, those over the Autobahn. And um, the Autobahn went right, of course, uh, the 9th Army was just about where the Autobahn was going pretty mm -hmm. much along. And that's where I, I was amazed at that Autobahn because, you know, we had nothing like that at right. that time. Until, until Eisenhower. Uh, when he was president, mm -hmm. got him in. We, we didn't have a freeway in this country, other than uh, uh, which one, the Pennsylvania Turnpike, I mm -hmm. guess, was, uh, was built first. But anyway, the 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 uh, I really credit the fact that we really copied what the Germans had done. And really beautiful, beautifully done. What else do you remember about Germany when you were there? Uh, clean, before? clean uh, people. People were uh, uh, intelligent. And, uh, and well, well informed of what was going on, uh, nice people for the most part. The, 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 those that were not Nazis, uh, mm -hmm. the Nazis, of course, uh, Hitler uh, really did uh, alter their minds a good bit. Terrible, some of the things they did. Do you uh, remember meeting anybody who was willing to admit to being a Nazi, or is still showing that kind of attitude? No, nobody. Nobody, even though they were, never admitted mm -hmm. it. <clears throat> nobody. They, that was a, they, they knew immediately that when, once Hitler was dead, that it was... Before the war ended, uh, and you were kind of operating in Germany, uh, how much sort of resistance did there seem to be, or were there still people in the rear areas who were shooting at you and that kind of thing? No, no, it didn't happen. No, once VE Day came... Oh, but before VE Day? <clears throat> oh, they kind of eased off a lot. Toward the end, there. The last couple of three weeks were, were just a piece of cake. <clears throat> and how far east did you get by the time you got to the <clears throat> day? We got up uh, to uh, <clears throat> we built a bridge across a river. Uh, I'm trying to think, what was I can't think of the name of the river now. It was uh, anyway. We built a bridge there, and uh, and. Uh, uh, Russians came, and, uh, and uh, uh, they, they were they were pretty cool people. The Russians, there was a 
horse cavalry outfit, and they did they didn't like the fact we were letting a, a German you know, people go across the bridge, come from their side over to our side, we were heading back east, heading back west. Okay, so you're far enough. So you basically made it to what became the the, the border or the dividing line between uh, the your zone, right. the Allied zone. I can't tell you the name of the river just now. The Elba, as you, as you What's that? The Elba, perhaps? The Elba, yes, it was the Elba, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's where uh, we made first contact yeah, so right. along there, yeah. Um, Very good. What did you, what do you, about how many Germans were there trying to get across the river? Do you have any good impression of that scene? Uh, well, perhaps you know, hundreds of them. And how long was it between when you got the bridge up and when the Russians showed up? 24 hours. Boy, a lot of people went across that bridge. Uh, and, and what condition, or what do you remember about them? Well, they were all uh, uh, refugees, mm -hmm. leaving their houses or their mm -hmm. homes and uh, just trying to escape the Russians. They were scared of the death of the Russians. Mm -hmm. There was some some justification, I think. The Russians really, uh, it was of course a horse cavalry outfit that came up first. And they uh, uh, wanted uh, all of they wanted to stop immediately the troops going across. Mm -hmm. and we, negotiated with them a little bit and kept it open for a while, but then they finally got guys out there and anybody that was in the water with a machine gun, they rode their horses in the, in the, in the water. So they were, they were, they were, <laughs> we, we weren't used to anything like that. Mm -hmm. It was a tough, tough going. And how long were you up along the Rhine? Not long. <clears throat> we transferred back to Paris, Versailles. And uh, my job then, uh, I was a captain at that mm -hmm. time, and I was S2 of the battalion, and uh, uh, I, uh, I was in charge of uh, pumping out the cesspools in Versailles area. <laughs> and what condition was that part of France in at that point, or what do you remember about it? They were anti-American, most of them. Uh, they, they, for some reason, are <laughs> real, uh, particularly the youth. Mm -hmm. Had a, a real thing. As a matter of fact, we had a couple of our officers in the Guadeloupe who were beaten up by the by the French uh, uh, kids, uh, mm -hmm. mobs. Uh, and uh, uh, we we learned soon learned not to go alone uh, in Paris. And, uh, we were in Versailles, but mm -hmm. we we'd go take the metro and every once in a while. In the town. As a matter of fact, I took lessons at the Sorbonne in French. So kind of fun. What else do you remember about Paris at that point? Very metropolitan, hadn't changed a bit. They, they, the, the French tried to, and anybody that fraternized with the Germans, they tried to get them, get them ostracized for mm -hmm. some reason or another, and mm -hmm. they, they tried to blackball everything that they did. And uh, so that became the same thing the Nazis were doing. They didn't, nobody was a Nazi, well, nobody fraternized mm -hmm. with them. So mm -hmm. it was interesting. They were trying very hard to get back to normal. Tough to do. The, the, the Nazis were not easy to when, when they were occupying any area. They they were very harsh. How much visible damage was there from the war <clears throat> at that point? You know, it was very little. Surprisingly, uh, I don't think we bombed Paris hardly at all. In Versailles, I don't think we bombed. Uh, I was stationed in the in the uh, Curie, the small stables for mm -hmm. the, of the palace there, and my, my office was, and. Um, uh, that had been a, a school for uh, French uh, army officers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a cavalry school. In that cavalry, area. that's yeah. right. And they, and they, they really were uh, uh, 
there was, there was no visible. Of course, there was, there was nothing in the in the castle mm -hmm. because those paintings and all the all the artwork had been removed right. for safety, and and uh, they didn't start them back. But the 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 and the gardens in front were, were not as well maintained as they mm -hmm. were later on. We were there later, you know, four or five years later, ten years later. So it was a uh, kind of uh, uh, interesting to go back and see it uh, mm -hmm. subsequently. And then how long were you stationed there? Until December. And I got there in uh, maybe uh, two or three weeks after D-Day. I mean, after, after VE Day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and then you went back across uh, the ocean by boat. You said that was not an easy trip. I ran into a, into a hurricane out there and I had to turn around and go back. Because we were in a Liberty ship that was converted mm -hmm. to handle troops instead of here. And they, what they did is they put ballast up on the deck. Mm -hmm. And so that when we got these big waves, the boat would just go and hang. And that would come back and go to the other side and hang there because this, this load was on. It wasn't balanced, you know, it should have mm -hmm. been below. And it was up. We, we had bunks all down below, which was very lightweight. The weight is all up on the deck. Poorly, poorly. Something's not very badly about that. The, the skipper said, I happened to be, uh, happened to be uh, on the bridge with him one time. And he said, you know, Captain, he said, this this thing isn't going to make it. I said, we, we can't go this way anymore. We, we're bucking into those you know, those waves. And he mm -hmm. said, we got, we have to turn around and go back. And he said, I'm scared to death to turn it. Because we're going to be in the trough going around. Right. And boy, we hugged there a long time when we turned. But he said, I just had, can't do it. We're going to break the ship apart going in. So we turned around and went back. And we ran out of food coming. We turned around finally. <laughs> so it, kind of, yeah, it was an interesting trip back. But we made it. New part of And then, so then you were basically, what did you do after that? Were you discharged right away or? Yeah, I went from there to Camp Atterbury, Indiana. I was discharged. Uh, the, the, a colonel was there, and then all we uh, field grade officers, the captains and below, were in this room. Well, there were a few majors there, as a matter of fact. And, and they uh, sat, and this colonel stood up and he said, "Now, gentlemen, he said, I'll tell you, my job is to recruit people for the for the reserves." And, and I said, "He said, as soon as you sign up, you're free to go." You're, 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 and, mm -hmm. and my wife was sitting outside with a motor running over. It was, new, <laughs> this was New Year's Eve day, and. Uh, so this was 10 o'clock in the morning, and I waited till two, lasted till 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and finally I said, well, what the heck, so I signed up. And then that's why I got in, called back into Korea. <laughs> okay. uh, one other thing uh, I remember you mentioned before, back when you were serving in Europe and, and so forth, uh, there was a point where you worked with, uh, or you encountered a a dump truck unit that was manned by African-American soldiers. Yeah, did. Um, can you... What do you remember about that or about that unit? Well, I was to, uh, on, the, on the Roar, on the Roar River <coughs> to, to prepare the put laying the gravel down, and they mm -hmm. had to fill the gravel. The trucks worked. I don't think I was saying anything else other than that. They didn't make any other impression on you, or they were just guys driving trucks. Yeah, just driving trucks. Yeah. All right. Uh, then once you left the army, what did you do? I went back to school. But I hadn't finished college. By the time I was married, I had a child. Mm -hmm. Uh, graduated from the University of Michigan, civil engineer, mm -hmm. and uh, then went to work for S.A. Mormon Company, which I ended up owning. And uh, that's that's all. That's what that's the extent. But I did get called back for a, uh, a couple of years of duty in Korea. Oh, and you tell us about that. Uh, but in 1950, I got uh, went to. Uh, uh, 
I was stationed again in Camp Carson, zoning out there, and, and we just to build a house in Grand Rapids, mm -hmm. and we uh, we rented that out, and, and Arlene and, the, and the, by that time we had two children, that they they came with us and came with with me, and we went out there to Colorado, and we, we had made some friends that were there before, and they found an apartment for us, mm -hmm. so we moved into that, and and. Uh, uh, stayed there until we went to maneuvers in, in uh, Tennessee, and then we uh, uh, then we went uh, uh, back to Carson, and then I was then I was sent over to over to Japan, and assigned to the First Cavalry Division, mm -hmm. Eighth Engineers, and I was a company commander in there. B company. And at what company. point did you get over to Korea itself? After after about a, a month or six weeks in Korea, I mean, in, uh, in on Hokkaido, the northern island mm -hmm. of Japan, which is where the first cavalry division was, uh, uh, we were sent over. The engineers were sent over to build PW camps, mm -hmm. and uh, so we we went over there and we, uh, we built uh, nine or started nine anyway. When I was there, uh, we finished only one or two mm -hmm. before I left, and then then uh, we went back to back to Japan because they were one. They were concerned about the Russians because I don't know if you know, but the Kuroli Islands come down to the northern part of, of Hokkaido there, the, like Russian-owned, mm -hmm. and uh, they, they were worried that Russians were going to come in and, and take over uh, Hokkaido. So they wanted to know the escape route, how much load each uh, of the bridges would take. All these things were poured with concrete, and so on. they used straw sometimes for reinforcing it. I mean, oh, gee. I mean, it was just a pure guess is what they mm -hmm. but it, my, my reputation was made because of you know, the, the, the division commander, I can't think of his name just now, anyway, he was a general. He would say, well, we got to do this and this, and uh, uh, well, Baxter, you're, you're figuring out how much the load-carrying capacity of this, of all these bridges are. What about these bridges here for us? I said, sir, I said, that bridge right there, if you're going to put any tanks over, you shouldn't send the tank, the, the numbers never take it. And this colonel, who was one of the, one of, the, uh, one of his uh, commanding officers, said, I'll put my tank over there. I think I'll hold up on or anything. Mm -hmm. and my reputation was made, boom, down in one. <laughs> <laughs> so from then on, he said, "We're gonna. If nobody objects, we'll ask Mr. Baxter or Captain Baxter <laughs> to, to, to tell us how." <laughs> that was kind of fun. What impression did you have of Japan at that time? What did it look like to you? How were the people? Well, I, one of the, one of the interesting things I did, I went down to Nagasaki and, and, mm -hmm. uh, and took a look at that, and that was a, a really an eye opener for me. Uh, uh, I flew down a couple times down to Tokyo on, on business, and, and uh, in fact, I was going down one time. Got on a plane at Camp Sh at, at uh, Shitose Airport, which was a uh, uh, Japanese naval air airstrip, it was twenty thousand feet long runway, mm -hmm. and, and I was in a DC three city got a, got a stretcher. This was a medically back mm -hmm. DC three, and the guy sitting next to me was, was a corporal, and he said. Uh, you're Bud Baxter. You used to live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I lived on Orchard Hill, uh, two doors from you. <laughs> he was he was about five years younger than I, and I mm -hmm. moved away from there with about nine years old, so I didn't really remember him. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. You know, here you are. Don't never want to do anything wrong in life because they'll, they'll catch you every time. Had that happened on some earlier occasion where you met somebody you hadn't expected to meet? Well, a couple of times. I, I, I saw we, uh, we built a bridge over the. Roar River in the, or the Lincoln, I can't remember now which one, but I'm going across it, here's a guy I'd known in high school directing traffic. It was an MP, so kind of interesting. You know. What else do you remember about Japan or 
what was like being an American soldier in Japan at that time? Well, we were in Shitose, uh, which was in, in Hokkaido, which was north, and it was, well, we had a real interesting time, but we had, a, when I took over the bigger uh, company, it was a, it had the highest VD rate in the whole division, and, mm -hmm. the, and the colonel said, Baxter, get that down, and I said, yes, sir. So I, I cut off, uh, and it turned out that the captain I was relieving, I was, was going into the town every night, mm -hmm. sleeping with one of these gals. And, and, uh, so when I signed for the equipment, it was my Jeep then, and uh, so I told the Jeep driver, I said, this Jeep does not leave this campground without me in it, mm -hmm. under no circumstances, now remember that. If you want to remain Jeep driver and you want to remain a corporal, just mm -hmm. remember that. Yes, sir, he said. So that night, the, the captain and I just relieved wanted to go into town, and the guy said, I can't do it, sir. He said, Captain Mack, I said, I can't. And boy, he came storming, I want to mm -hmm. go. Can't use my team, sorry, not, not for that kind of purpose. And so uh, he got into town, but not 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 with not with anything that I supplied. <laughs> and, and did you manage to get the VD rate down? Oh yes, yeah. I I, I uh, uh, cut off all passes and, and leaves, and uh, and we stayed right there, and we set up the entertainment in the day room, and and uh, I'd bring girls in, and they could dance with me right in the room. Mm -hmm. And all the guys were stationed at the door, so nobody could go out. And the girls all stayed in the room, and then we sent them back on a bus and back to back to the, uh, the town. Did you have much contact or communication with the people in the town, or were you coordinating with anybody there? No, no. somebody else did that for me. Mm -hmm. I, had, I had no contact with them at all. These girls were very nice young young ladies uh, for the most part. They were they were uh, thoughtful and kind, and 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 they they loved being able to. Uh, with the Americans, we had we had Coke and we had uh, uh, ginger ale and mm -hmm. uh, no beer, no liquor, <laughs> and we, we we just really did, did well with them. And what was Korea like when you were there? <clears throat> that that was that was an interesting time. Uh, I had the occasion one time to go from Pusan uh, up to Seoul mm -hmm. on a train, and I had a, 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 a it was an overnight trip. And I had a stock assigned to me, and I got in there, and, I, and everybody said, you want to be careful, you, you, boy, those guys will come by and, and rob you, they'll get in the train mm -hmm. and come on. And I had my billfold, so I took my billfold out, and here I was down in my, in my underwear, and stuck the billfold in, in the elastic band, you know, and mm -hmm. went to sleep, waking about 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, billfold going, man, oh man, oh man, all my, all my money, all my mm -hmm. identification money in there. So I thought, oh, well, man, you know, these monks were short because they, 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 for the most part the Koreans were shorter than me. So I was kind of not sleeping well anyway. So anyway, I said, well, I might as well get up. So I got up and I opened up the, they did the, like our Pullman, you know, they used to fasten and, and snap together mm -hmm. and so forth. But these, these were just loose, loose hanging. So I went yeah. here with my billfold on the floor <laughs> in the middle of the aisle. They'd come out during the morning while I was sleeping. And it was, I don't know how long it had been there, but nobody, nobody took it. <laughs> Intact, <laughs> so just pure luck. Anyway, uh, in all the stations, there were youngsters there who were begging. They were mm -hmm. isolated from their families. They lost their families, mm -hmm. either killed or, or didn't know where they were. And they were they were just uh, panhandling. They wanted they wanted money or food. Mm -hmm. And and I showed up there with a couple of sandwiches, ham sandwiches that they made, you know, bread about that thick, mm -hmm. and, and a whole bunch of meat in there. And I passed those out. I, I went up there without eating. And, and because uh, those kids were mm -hmm. just, uh, they were desperate.
and they they would they would uh, they just were pure pure just uh, begging begging mm -hmm. is what they were they were ranging in age from four or five up to fifteen sixteen seventeen years old and and, and brothers and sisters taking care of the younger ones for mm -hmm. as much as possible if they if they do them other than that they were all on their own tough mm -hmm. and did you see much of the adults very little very little had very little to do with with the creatives and what did the countryside look like. It hadn't been devastated badly. Mm -hmm. you know, the first cavalry division was stationed up at the up at the Chorwan Reservoir, and then the, then the North Koreans and the and, and the Chinese mm -hmm. supplemented came down and and, and drove them out, mm -hmm. and they ran all the way back down to Pusan and then got mm -hmm. evacuated over. And that's when they went up to Hokkaido. Mm -hmm. So they were a beat outfit when when I joined them. I mean, okay. They were just in the process of, of getting rehabilitated. But that first uh, kind of roller coaster ride part of the war was over by the time you got yeah, over to Korea. Yeah, yeah, so it, was more. yeah it was all it was pretty stationary when I was there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We lost a couple of guys now on a water bike. When I went up to that train up from uh, Pusan up to Seoul, they had a flat car. Every every other car was a mm -hmm. flat car and on it was a quad 50 mm -hmm. you know, mounted so that they could, because they got up in the hills, you know, either side of the railroad and, and, and they'd sometimes shoot at you. Well, they'd, they'd re respond with this. They didn't have to mm -hmm. do it when I was on board, but they. They were equipped to do it. They had about three of those quiet fifties, three of those cars. Mm -hmm. You ever seen a quiet fifty fire? That, that's that's, that's, that, that, that's a that's a roar. I'll tell you. That's that's not that's not uh, that's that's a big blast of a sound when you mm -hmm. when those things go off. Yeah. Uh, does anything else kind of stand out in your mind about the experience in Japan or Korea? <clears throat> No, not not so much. Uh, had had a, uh, did what had to be done. Mm -hmm. Built the PW cans. And, uh, they loaned me all kind of bulldozers and, mm -hmm. and graders and pans. And so I was there. Were you there long any of long enough any of them to see the POWs come in, or were you gone by the time they got there? Oh, I had one interesting experience. We we, we used the PWs to build the camps. You know, mm -hmm. there were ten thousand PWs, okay. men and women, and because uh, they had. Women in their army, right with the guys, and and they, uh, uh, we we this one camp that we the the, the only uh, uh, PW camp that we really completed all the way. Mm -hmm. We were going to transfer them from the temporary right. you know uh, rolls of concertina wire and so forth mm -hmm. into this camp that was built. Uh, and I, the rumor was they weren't going to move. There were ten thousand of them. We only had maybe five or six hundred GIs mm -hmm. around there, and so they could easily have swamped us if they had wanted to. You know, they might lose a few guys, but mm -hmm. they were uh, apparently willing to do that. So, geez, I kept thinking, I know how am I going to get these guys to transfer the next day? So, there was an outfit, tank outfit down the road, and I went down there, and, and I said, "You got any flame-throwing tanks here?" And they said, "Yes, they did. A couple of them." I said, well, "I'd like to borrow. How many you got, really?" And they said, "Well, three or four. I said, "I'd like to borrow them for tonight and tomorrow." He said, okay, so I explained what I wanted done. So mm -hmm. we put one on each side of the, of the, of the existing camp, and we, at night, after it was dark, we had to shoot out some, some flame, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and so they could see what they were. And the next day, the tanks clank, 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 clank behind the guys when they walked into the new one. Mm -hmm. Didn't have a bit of trouble. Moved, moved. <laughs> what uh, condition were the prisoners in, or what do you remember about them, or what they looked like, or how they acted? 
they're there, you're using them to work and do the building. So they were, they were, they, they were work because they knew they had to. Mm -hmm. they, they did a good job of wiring. We had to check and make sure they wired the, mm -hmm. all the connections. You know, we put the wire 12 inches on each way, so mm -hmm. they had to wire them together, each one of those intersections. So that, our guys had to watch them closely for that, but they, they, they did pretty, pretty good. And in general, how did they behave or conduct themselves? Other than that one time when I heard the rumor that they weren't mm -hmm. going to move, uh, they were pretty docile. And in fact, the Red Cross uh, provided stuff for them, uh, mm -hmm. sanitary napkins, uh, Kotex, and that kind of stuff. And the guys didn't know what that, the women that were there didn't know what to do with that, so they took it all apart and made tablecloths out of it. <laughs> okay, and then what did you do then uh, coming out of Korea? You just came, home, came back home. Yeah. Well, I know I went to went back to Japan, right. and that that's when I was assessing the load carrying capacity of all the bridges because they were worried about a Russian invasion. That's why I left before the, the troops did. Mm -hmm. All right. And back to the United States. Zach, do you have any questions that you want to add? Um, let's uh, take you back to after um, VE Day in Europe. And you were about to leave. Were you actually? Was there any rumor of you going over to Japan or over to the Pacific, um, building bridges or helping? Oh, sure, sure. We, we didn't have enough points. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we did it on a point system. And right. We didn't have enough points really to qualify for uh, uh, instant re removal. We had enough points, so we didn't have to go there right away mm -hmm. over over the over the, the, the Far East. But but uh, we had enough that that, that could have. Kept us. They could have separated some of us and set some of us over. Yes, and so we were. Then all of a sudden, v, VJ Day happened too. So, and what was that like? I mean, you were oh, much <laughs> relief. <laughs> I never. Well, we were all pleased. Mm -hmm. All pleased. Mm -hmm. I think that the dropping of the atomic bomb was a terrible thing to do, but I think we saved hundreds of thousands of lives rather than attacking Japan. Uh, there's no doubt of it because the Japanese were prepared. Everybody was was prepared to fight. Mm -hmm. Every household would have been a fort. Mm -hmm. It would have been a tough, tough battle, I think. Tough battle. Um, also, I was curious, um, did you have any bridge failures while you were over there? I mean, you built um, numerous amount of bridges. Was there any uh, bridge failures or, um, I mean, you were the guy to go talk to, obviously, if there was going to be a, you know, a weight problem, but was there any failures that you knew of after you went to the next river or anything like that? Well, because by the what they did is they we just built a salt built a salt bridges, mm -hmm. and then the, and then then the, they have another company come in the, from the rear echelon and build a heavier bridge for the for the bigger for the rest. Okay. <clears throat> we the, the the most we ever built for was an M two Treadway bridge. It was good for a, a medium tank. Okay. Um. Oh, the correspondence with your wife. Were you married uh, when you went to Europe? So you were married. Um, what was the correspondence with your wife? Did you get letters often? Write letters often? I mean, so, you were right up in the front, and well, near the front. Near the front. Yeah. Yep. Taking fire. So, um, what was the I tried to write to her about once a week, mm -hmm. and um, and she'd write to me about the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I, did I tell you about the Valentine? I told you, but that I did. but not on not on camera. Oh. So. Well, uh, we, we had a child that was born when I was, I didn't see him until I got back here. He was 16 months old when I saw him for the first time. But he, uh, 
uh, my wife, it was Valentine's Day coming up, so she took the bottom of his feet and put lipstick on it and put it on a card and sent it over for Valentine. And I'm sitting in my Jeep and I'm leaning forward, like a blackout, and I'm leaning forward with the little uh, small lights on the dash, and I was to look at what it was. In a, in a mortar shell or, or a, a, a artillery shell, I don't know which one, landed over there, and a, a piece of shrapnel went in the seat in back of me. So just by leaning forward, I missed it. Otherwise, the back here, I would have had it in me. So probably pretty well spent because it didn't really do big damage to the, to the seat, but it would have it would have damaged me, I'm sure. But just, just, it's where you were, you know, you'd be standing right next to somebody and he'd get killed and there you are intact. And overall, uh, how do you think the wartime experience affected you or are the things you kind of carry with you now that affect what I, I, I think I think my language was terrible when I first got back. Lots of swear words and uh, so forth. And uh, uh, you, you uh, just because I was young when I first went in, and, mm -hmm. uh, and, you, and uh, you, you pick up the language that everybody else mm -hmm. uses. And, uh, yeah. I, I, it, it took it took a couple of years to until I got back to my wife was a saint. <laughs> but uh, and, and now we're we're married sixty three years, sixty four coming up this fall. So. When, uh, when you first went in, was there a, a major culture shock? Uh, most guys go through like uh, experience of, you know, first time being really yelled at, first time, you know, getting up at five. Well, and if you lived on a farm, I guess it's a little different. I've talked to people who like, grew up on a farm and it's five, five a.m. is no big deal. But was there a, a culture shock there at all? No. Never noticed. Never noticed? No, no, no. no. I just did what had to be done. I think mm -hmm. the majority of us did that. Mm -hmm. I, you say culture shock. I don't. I think the ones that were most affected were some of the boys that were uh, uh, more uh, baby by their parents. Mm -hmm. I think that the, they're the ones that had the real. I, I was a, a bit of boys camp and been a camp counselor, and mm -hmm. so I was more accustomed to, mm -hmm. to the kind of the rough and ready stuff. Uh, and I, I think that made. But the majority of the people, I don't recall any real serious uh, mm -hmm. problems like that. All right, then. Thank Good. you. Thank you very much. Thank you. The preceding program is copyrighted by Grand Valley State University. Visit us at gbsu.edu.